You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. Today, we begin again, always beginning again. Today, we begin again. And to be sure, not in the endlessness of a groundhog day in which we are trapped in a constant loop of repetition. Instead, in Advent, as we begin again, we go back to the future, to borrow the title of another movie. And we begin during this season of Advent of inhabiting God's prophecy of old as told by Isaiah, come, let us go up to the mountain of our God. Come, let us walk in the light of our Lord. Come, let us go from here to there and live in the light because hope is living as if the not yet is already. And in Advent, we live into the future, which is already somehow present here among us. We live in a future that that embodies, that that inhabits the the prophecy of Isaiah, that, that one day nations shall beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. And, and, and one day, a day that is yet dawning, is upon us that a time shall come when nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither will they study war anymore. Yes, what a great day that will be. And today, we get to start living into it, stepping into it, practicing it because today, beloved, is a new day. It is day one of a new month of a new Christian year. What an opportunity it is for us to rethink time, to reorder time, to reclaim our time in such a way that we release the past as we return to this time and space. You see, we come back uh, to this familiar time of the year. We return to it, not with a simple circularity that just goes around and around and around. No, no, our eternal return is closer to a a spiral. That, that, That on this dimension, we come back to, yes, this same place, but we're deeper or we're higher not on a simple linear circularity, but rather we come to a deeper place. We have learned from our past. And even as we return to the same place, this place is different because we possess new insight that we have garnered from the past year. So we return to this familiar season of Advent anticipating a Christmas, but yet this same place is much different because we possess a different perspective that that positions us to make meaning at this time, in this place, anew. 
to make meaning anew with fresh eyes, returning, but yet still having released. And on this day, today, we actually have a, a trifecta that, that, that today is a new day in a new month of a new year. And for us as Christians, it gives us an opportunity, a chance to do something new, to experience something new, uh, to try something new. We might experiment a bit, leaning into something that is a little bit maybe different, even uncomfortable, but, but as we lean into it, releasing but yet returning, we experience that, that we, we, we take a risk to, to be blessed in a way like never before because we're willing to experiment like never before and, and to step into unfamiliar yet still familiar places of newness because we, as the, the songwriter, the hymn writer says that the, that the faithfulness of God is new every morning. Amen. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. So even as we experience the new things, we, we, we experience the new things in the hands of a God who changes not, a God who is with us always. So today, I, in this moment, want to try something new because it's day one, December 1, December 1st, first Sunday, Communion Sunday. And as such, this sermon is about Advent, World AIDS Day, and yes, the issue of blood. Today I want to do something new, which I haven't done before. I want to tell you about my uncle Arthur. He was a good man, a giving man, a generous man. Next to my father, Uncle Arthur was my mother's best friend. Impartial, kind, compassionate, funny. My Uncle Arthur died on March 18th, 1994. His body destroyed by AIDS, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Although it was 25 years ago, I remember it like it was yesterday. It's kind of how trauma works. Those things that you want to release, but yet still are so present among us. The feeling, the fear, the pain, rather hard to talk about, but today of all days, I just need to say his name. Mm -hmm. Arthur Bernard Williams. Because I believe that in saying his name and telling a bit of his story, I might release a bit of the pain. And the shame of a story that has been hard up to this point to speak. And maybe in speaking, we might all discover 
that those dirty little secrets are not dirty at all. And although my Uncle Arthur, his blood was diseased, to be sure, he was so much more than a disease. Yes, yes. That disease, however, has left its mark. And although a quarter century ago it happened, I, I remember as if it were yesterday, uh, when my Uncle Arthur came to live with us for a few weeks during a particularly rough part of his treatment. It was a scary thing uh, to watch someone you love die due to a disease that we barely then and still even now only barely are just beginning to understand. And even as we took care of him, right, we were instructed to take precautions. An abundance of safety commingled with a lot of fear and a good deal of ignorance. There were hand gloves and face masks and bed pads because we could not touch his blood, because his blood was diseased. We did what we could to help, yet everything we did was still grounded in the very real sense of helplessness, which is, right, in so many ways, the polar opposite of hope, the work of helping and loving and losing was hard. I'm grateful that now these 25 years later, the quality of life for those living with HIV has dramatically improved. And I'm grateful that my uncle, my uncle Arthur had family, especially my mother, who helped to make his journey home just a little bit easier. Because when others were afraid, she stood beside him and cared for him. And my Uncle Arthur was able to die at home. And I'm mindful on this day of all the precious souls who died homeless, somehow nameless, and alone because of this issue of blood. So today on World AIDS Day, seems to me that the blood is still an issue. 38 million people worldwide living with HIV. Perhaps some of you are asking, why does this matter for us as church in this place, in this moment, on Communion Sunday when we go to table? And we often sing these songs about the blood of Jesus. I wonder whether we as the church really have confronted our sin, that we've made blood an issue. And that the way that the church has made life harder for some than it actually had to be. Mm -hmm. 
perhaps even unbearable. You know, at, 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 at best, the, the church has been complicit, but, but, but in reality, the church has actually contributed to uh, the ways in which the hiding and the loneliness and the namelessness is, is rooted in a stigma and a shame, rooted in a fear and ignorance that's been propagated in church through anti-gay and anti-sex of, uh, 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 that comes from a position of rules and regulations and a sanctimonious judgment that, that, that has, has, has led from one epidemic to another. And we have perpetuated a cycle of condemnation. And the thing is this, right? It seems to me that as a Christian community, we should have been the ones uniquely and keenly equipped to deal with the crisis, right? The issue of blood, right? One of our, our, our favorite biblical miracles is the one that we heard is, is about, right, this, this woman with hemorrhages, or as the King James Version said, the woman with the issue of blood, as a story-shaped people, the church, we should have been the champions, not the condemners. We should have been, we should be the avant-garde instead of the accusers. Because we know the story. The woman with the issue of blood. We heard it today. A woman who had endured so much. 12 years, spent everything she had enduring, going from doctor to doctor, looking for help. And as she tried everything, endured everything, still she found herself no better. Perhaps some of you know what it means to do everything you know how to do. But still, it looks like things feels like things, things they don't get better. I, I wonder, whatever our, our trials and circumstances, our conditions, our circum I, I wonder if we, during this Advent, this season of new beginnings, that I wonder what it might look like if we followed the woman with the issue of blood, because it, the story tells us that, that when she had tried everything else and everything else failed, she decided to try something new. Yes. When others had given up on her still, she expected, and the story tells us that, 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 that when she, after suffering for 12 years, when she heard about this man named Jesus, she decided to give Jesus a try. Right? She, she had heard about Jesus. And, and, and you must understand that, that she heard about Jesus, which meant that somebody had to be speaking about Jesus. Are we bearing witness? to the Jesus we know in our hearts in such a way that makes manifest the love of God so that others might come to know how fully loved they are, right? Or, or is it such that, 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 that the Jesus that, that gets all the public profile is the Jesus of conservative evangelicals who say this group, well, you are not part of this love thing, or, or this group, or, or that because of where you came from, or who you are, or who you, but do we witness to a Jesus 
whose love is unconditional. Do we witness in our living, in our loving, in our daily walking, do we live such that others might come to know Jesus? Because they've heard it from us. Because this woman with the issue of blood who had been suffering for all these years, she was looking for her miracle. came to Jesus and fought her way through the crowd and, and, and said, said, no matter, I've spent all that I have. I, 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 my back has been up against the wall, but, but if I just touch, if I just touch the, the hem, I, I don't have to touch his arm. I don't have to touch his knee. I don't have to touch his, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Might we be so bold during this season as the woman with the issue of blood to go and get what we're looking for this season? Might we be so bold as to reach out and claim that which God has for us? Perhaps the miracle you see of the story is not so much that the woman with the issue of blood was cured, but maybe actually the real miracle of the story is that after 12 years of disappointment, she still kept the faith. Yeah. After spending everything, after disappointment, after de disappointment, after depression, after just losing everything, she still kept the faith. It's if I but touch, seems to me that real hope is the faith to seek healing even when a cure might not be possible. Right? There's a difference between a cure and healing, so that, that a healing, a, a, a binding up of the broken, even when chronic illness rules the day. And sickness persists. I, I need you to hear me because when we, when we confront these miracles, we have to unpack it and see it in such a way that, that yes, I, I don't have a reason. I can't explain why chronic illness is the way it is, but I still believe that even when there is no cure, there is healing. And our healing comes when we touch the hem of the garment of the one who loves us into freedom. We might find healing of our souls. A brokenness that is made well. Still, what strikes me today about this story of the woman with the issue of blood, even as not so much the cure or, or the healing, that's another sermon for another day. What strikes me actually really is the hiding. The hiding. Embedded in the story. We, we, we read today from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, uh, but it's also in the Gospel of Matthew and of Luke. And the Gospel of Luke tells us that the healed woman actually tried to hide. Right? She, she tried to hide. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 47 says, when the woman saw that she could not remain hidden... Then she came before the Lord with fear and trembling. It strikes me that this nameless woman, this nameless woman with an issue of blood remained hidden, perhaps for the very same reasons that so many of those living with HIV actually remain hidden today. Perhaps she remained hidden because of the fear and the judgment and the condemnation that she knew that she would experience from the religious folk. 
right? While disclosure of one's status or one's challenges is always one's choice whenever one chooses, even if one does not, it seems to me that we, as the body of Christ, as people of faith, we could actually make the choice a little less challenging. Although we sing about the blood in the church, seems to me that sometimes, somehow, we still have an issue with it. And, and so we must ask ourselves, are, are the songs we sing mere abstractions, or do they really matter in how we, we shape and see the world? Or do, do the songs that we sing, do they shape our outlook? Might we practice compassion to suffer with? Might we, might we experience and, and practice empathy to feel in with those who have been marginalized? forgotten? And might we as the church be so bold as to turn the conditions that, have that render the woman with an issue of blood an outsider in the first place? Might we declare the truth that in God's economy there is no inside or outside that all are caught up in this same thing because we all are created, beloved, in the very image of God. Yes, the church is called to change the, the conditions of stigma and shame because we proclaim it right. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And perhaps we too should be taking issue with how blood is still being spilled in our names. Yes, we've sinned, beloved, and still on this day. I believe that there is still hope that we can do better and perhaps Advent is about atonement. And as a church, we cannot forget that the blood still works and it still has power because real hope of Advent is grounded in the fact that God, through Christ Jesus, had real flesh and real blood. And how might our stories, like the story of the woman with the issue of blood, reshape our work? Because I believe that there is a possibility to read and reread these stories and allow us to reach a different conclusion today than the church has reached yesterday, that we might allow these stories to shape us anew. The power of rewritten stories is such that, 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 that when we experience the Christmas to which we head, during the season of Advent, we might see that everything changes. That the one who transcends time, who was present in the very beginning of time, when time was created, breaks into time in order to transform time for all times. Such that God is not an abstraction. Not a figment of our imagination. No, God is real. God comes to us in ways that we can understand. At Christmas, love is embodied and enfleshed and impassioned in such a way that God comes to us with real flesh, real blood. That God's amazing grace literally inhabits the human body of Jesus, the Nazarene, so that humanity might become the body of Christ. And that God's redeeming power punctuates our world, and earthly existence, just as the prophets proclaimed. Just as the prophets proclaimed. But still, everything about that Christmas story to which we head looks entirely different than expected. 
the Messiah is born in a manger, the feeding pot of smelly farm animals, and, and not with the majestic might of an earthly king. It is with humility that the almighty God takes human form and in so doing boldly reorders our reality. That this transvaluation of values models for us then a new way of being, a new way of living, a new way of loving, perhaps even a new way forward. So we have an opportunity this Advent season, an opportunity to allow ourselves to be changed by a story that unfolds not as we expected it to. We have the possibility to experience this thing anew with fresh eyes because it's a stunning thing that happened at Christmas, that day to which we now head. head the, that, that liberating moment grounded in the humility of Christ's solidarity with humanity, especially the marginalized and the disinherited and the oppressed and the homeless and the nameless and the broken of body and spirit, that Christ comes and God stands with us in our stuff, in our suffering, in our pain, enfleshed, embodied, impassioned. Yes, 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ was born, born in a manger, God incarnate, born in flesh and blood. And I believe that today, 2,000 years later, that blood still works. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.